Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch, fastball, pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Oh, we are into July, and we are one week away from the All-Star break. What's up, and welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today. It's Monday, July 1st. Happy July, everybody. Uh, halfway through the baseball season, and obviously your playoffs are starting Hey, man, just a matter of weeks, so uh, it's crunch time as we enter the second half of the, of the baseball season and the fantasy season. I'm Adam Azer. We got Scott White here. What's up, Scott? How you doing? Adam, doing good. What about yourself? I Well, we learned that uh, Coors Field has nothing on London Stadium, didn't we? Yeah, that was, <laughs> Crazy? That was a productive two-game series. Not so good for the pitchers. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was rough. Fifty runs in two games, and do, I don't know what to play. Do I play the welcome back music? Do I play the Heath is on? Which one? Yeah. What's up, Heath? I just want to commend you for being up and Adam this morning. I just assumed that you had don't party all night long celebrating it. Julius Randall and Bobby Portis. And the huge acquisitions of the New York Knicks on what was a fantastic night of NBA free agency. Don't forget Reggie Bullock. Don't yes, Reggie how could Bullock. anyone yes. forget Reggie Bullock? <laughs> no, Heath, I was celebrating uh, London baseball, I guess. I, You know, you, you were gone for a week. I hope you had a nice vacation. I figured I'll probably just let you run the show and tell me what you learned over the last week. Yeah, I, I watched baseball the entire vacation. My family and I just went to Orlando, sat in a house, and watched baseball the entire week. It was fantastic. That's great. Well, let's, then let's talk. Let's get into hitters and pitchers to add. Um, start with some hitters to add. And Scott, I will let you lead off. By the way, Dylan Cease is about to be is about to be brought up. So don't worry, we'll get to him. He appears to be up to stay for the Chicago White Sox. Um, all right, Scott, uh, hitter or hitters to add? So the number one hitter I was prioritizing in all of my leagues, and he's also number one in my top ten sleeper hitters for this upcoming week, is Alex Verdugo, who's had, who had a very productive month of June. The power stroke returns. The contact rate has been impressive all along. And the Dodgers are playing him with great consistency. So I, I think he's... I think he's back to being an exciting play in fantasy. And, uh, you know, I, I made it a lot of people added him because all of a sudden his ownership percentage was up to 74. So that was my number one hitter I was pursuing. I didn't even realize that he was doing much. Uh, he had had a pretty quiet, long, quiet stretch for Hugo. But yeah. I think I think his days are about done after the break if Pollock is back. At least done yeah, as a regular. I mean, that's... That's a lot can happen between now and it's then. one I'm week. Not, I'm not worrying about Pollock just yet. No, Pollock's going to be back in one week. It's possible. They said he might be back after the all-star break. That might be because it's one week, but it's really almost two immediately weeks, after know? the all-star break. Well, or that's was it just that's two weeks uh, from now. Some point after the all-star break, he'll be back. I don't know, but that's just a little bit of a of an alert on Alex Verdugo because they because Dave Roberts did say that AJ Pollock will come back and play center field, and that's why they have Jock Peterson playing some first base. 
So, look, it's fine to pick up Verdugo and see where it goes. He's definitely he's completely secure this week. And then um, yeah. I guess we'll see. He could certainly play his way into playing time. Heath, any hitters you wanted to add? Yeah, I think for a long time, Malik Smith was the un- most under-owned player in fantasy baseball. That may now belong to Kevin Biggio. Since June 13th, he has a 996 OPS. The Blue Jays have moved him back up in the order. He did either lead off or clean up over the last week. He had a grand slam over the weekend. He's second base eligible, first base eligible, and outfield eligible, and still just 60% owned. Quick update. A.J. Pollock is taking live batting practice. According to the update... With an aim at the returning right after the All-Star break. That's right. With an aim. We don't know. If they are playing Jock Peterson at first base, I assume the goal is to keep Verdugo in the lineup. Is it not? I don't know what would happen against righties. Hey, can we talk about Kevin Biggio? Or uh, yeah, Kevin Biggio. I pick. I have. I would have picked him up in any league where he's not. I have him in three leagues, Heath. I agree. Uh, yeah, I think I have him in the other three, so we're good. Perfect. Eric Thames is thirteen percent owned. I just want to give a deep league shout out here. He's facing six righties in seven games this week. Eric Thames is a nine thirty one OPS against righties. I know he's not that good, but I'm taking a shot on him in one of my like. What else do I have to lose leagues? And uh, I also picked up Dominic Smith. He's 20% owned. I'm not going to be starting him this week because he only has three righties on the schedule. They have a five-game week, the Mets. But Dominic Smith is starting against righties. I hope that continues. And um, not this week, but probably a little under-owned considering he's got like a nine-something OPS. He's been awesome. So uh, It feels like a speculative ad, but I did it in a few leagues as well. I mean, particularly some five outfielder leagues where I've had a hard time filling those spots, uh, just hoping that Dominic Smith becomes a more regular presence in the Mets lineup because it would be it would be exciting if he did. And I know on Kevin Biggio, I believe he's fourth in the top 10 sleeper hitters for this week. All right. So hitters or whatever. Pitchers are where it's at. Heath, I know you added Dylan Cease in uh, a number of leagues, so... This is a White Sox prospect. He's going to start one game of a doubleheader on on Wednesday against Detroit, but all indications are he's up to stay. This is not just a one one time deal. So Cease yeah, is forty percent as long as he's not terrible, he is a part of the rotation. I picked him up in three different leagues, and I don't like. It's very easy to look at the ERA and AAA and say he's got a four or five ERA and AAA. He's not any good. He's very very good. He's a consensus top forty prospect. His FIP is much better than his ERA so far this year. He's striking out better than a batter per inning. He has big upside. I would be adding him just about anywhere that he is available, as long as it's twelve teams or deeper. And then just to keep consistent, I do have my two-star pitcher that's probably going to be terrible and we're going to laugh about it, <laughs> and that is Ariel Hirado. And what are his matchups? I don't even recall. Okay. He's probably at the Yankees and at Houston, right? No. Uh, I'll take a look at Ariel Hirado's matchups. I'm, I'm pulling up. I think it's the Angels and Twins, so there you go. Okay. We'll see how that goes. Not a great week for two-star pitchers. Um, all right, so, Scott, you want to give your thoughts on Cease? Now, the, the last four starts of his have just been bad, but before that, he was basically amazing yeah. in the minors. And in his minor league career, he has 450 strikeouts and 354 in a third innings. That's pretty staggering. Yeah, his, and his numbers last year were really good, especially at AA. Uh, moved up to AAA for the first time this year. The walks are high. I mean, you know, a lot of it, 
Well, he's only given up four home runs at AAA, so I'm not sure how much you can blame on the ball, but the walks are high, and yeah. Uh, I I think certainly if you have room to take on another pitcher, you go after the upside of somebody like Cease. I was comparing it to some of the other recent call-ups or very near-to-be call-ups like Jesus Lazardo and how I would prioritize Cease with them. And so I would I would put him behind Luzardo, Brendan McKay, who obviously had an exciting debut this weekend. I would put him behind Gallon. I would even put him behind Al- Adbert Alzali, especially now that Cole Hamels is sidelined by an oblique injury and Alzali seems to have uh, the freedom to run there. But, you know, if, if those guys are already taken in your league or you want to have to drop one of them to get Cease, then absolutely pick up the guy with upside. Is this the last guy that may not have been on our radar because McKay his ownership has skyrocketed he's 74 percent owned now we've been talking about Lazardo for a while and he had some buzz even in spring training so he's been owned um Alzali kind of came out of nowhere uh, we weren't really expecting to see him and now he's owned in a lot of leagues and you got Cease who's 40 percent owned are, are there any major pitching prospects that are left that could come up. I mean, obviously, I'm not including Lazardo who hasn't come up yet because, like, like I, me- I mentioned him, like he's already owned. Um, is this it? Yeah. Uh, I, I would have to look more into that. I mean, we've been waiting. We've still been waiting for Lazardo, and McKay and Cease were the other in the pecking order for me, just among pitchers uh, when it came to prospects to stash. So I, be I don't have three more Braves, right? <laughs> uh, no. Three more Braves, maybe Ian Anderson. He's been he's been pitching well, but most of the Braves pitching prospects who haven't already come up have either pitched poorly or, in the case of Luis Guajara, not pitched at all this year. So, um, so no, I'm not expecting too many from that. All righty, and uh, I picked up. I well, actually, I've already owned him, but Anibal Sanchez. Uh, did I say he's just Lazardo? Yeah, of course. I, I meant Luis said- Guajara. <laughs> oh, yeah, Luis, Luis Guajara is the Braves pitching prospect who hasn't pitched at all. Sorry, that was. Confusing. Uh, Anibal Sanchez, 52% owned. He gets the Marlins this week. His last six starts, he has a 229 ERA. He's 4-0. Five walks, 32 strikeouts, and 35 and a third. Nobody seems to want to buy into Sanchez. I get it. His swinging strike rate is actually down from last year, so I'm not sure he'll be able to do what he did last year. But how do you not own Anibal Sanchez right now, and how do you not start him with one start against the Marlins? And sneaky start, I'd say Ryan Yarbrough, 34% owned. He should pitch twice against Baltimore and the Yankees. I don't know if he'll make any actual starts, but you might get good production out of Yarbrough this week. Uh, so what did we... You didn't, you didn't ask me You didn't ask me my pitcher. Oh, I did it. Adam. Scott, who's your pitcher? No, you didn't. I'm oh, sorry. And it has it has your name in it. Eliezer, Eliezer. Yes. Who had another really good start. I believe it was on Friday. Yeah, Friday. Uh, seven strikeouts of five and two thirds innings. Fifteen swinging strikes. His swinging strike rate in his last four starts. It's it's Griffin Canning. Like you know, how I talk about that with Canning every time. And uh, yeah, somebody's going to have to vacate for uh, for uh, Caleb Smith, who it seems like the Marlins are stalling on bringing back just so they can figure out how to remove uh, stinking. Uh, Oh gosh, what's that guy's name? Jordan Yamamoto. The 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 one Marlins pitcher who we're not excited about is the one who made the All Star team. Oh, Sandy Alcantara. Oh, so uh, so yeah, that would seem to hurt his chances of being removed. But Jordan Yamamoto finally dropped the ball this weekend with a bad start, 
Um, so I would think he's at the front of the line to be replaced when the Finland, the Marlins are finally ready to activate Caleb Speth. Which should be this week. So I, I, I don't think we could it sit should. here. Huh? Well, he, yeah, because he made a rehab start yesterday. So mm-hmm. I, that should be his last one, Caleb Smith. I don't. Do you feel comfortable recommending Eliezer Hernandez, knowing he might not pitch? Also, he's either going to be. I picked, yeah. I picked. I put a claim for him every league where he's available. I mean, starting pitching is is too hard to find to pass up a guy on a four start run like this guy's on, especially with the minor league numbers he has. So, uh, you know, it, yeah, I, I, I guess he could end up being with the one sit down, but I, I don't feel like I've lost that much if he is. And I had to decide because I have a team where I actually have Hernandez, Yamamoto, and Zach Gallen, and had to drop one of them this week, and I dropped Yamamoto yesterday. Fair enough. Hernandez could either face Washington on the road or Atlanta on the road, depending on if he pitches like in a five-man rotation, maybe a six-man rotation for this week. Um, he won't have an easy matchup, but let's hope it's Washington and not Atlanta. All right, so Dylan Cease... Obviously, Brendan McKay, if he's still out there, he's 74% owned. I, I like Anibal Sanchez, Eliezer Hernandez. Uh, I mentioned Ryan Yarbrough. We've talked about the Cubs rotation. Scott mentioned Alzali should still be in now with Kyle Hendricks back this week, but Hamill's on the IL. We just talked about the Marlins rotation. What about the Dodgers rotation? Is it as simple as Ross Stripling is in and Julio Rios is a long reliever? Uh, I don't know that it's quite that simple, but there was a pretty strong indication yesterday with Julio Arias going three innings and what was another short to follow. What was another short start for Kenta Maeda? So, uh, it's, it's not a for sure piggyback between him and Stripling. Now I I feel like the Dodgers are going to have to hope to, to get some length from Stripling in a way they weren't necessarily before. I don't know that he's ready to go more than like five innings. If that, uh, but they're they're looking at a longer term absence for Rich Hill, so I, I guess the plan is to get him up to that point. In which case, Ross Stripling becomes—I don't know how available he is, but he becomes a pretty interesting pickup too. He's not; he's very owned. Uh, last I checked, it's like eighty-four percent. Arias Arias okay. has thrown seven straight scoreless appearances, seventeen innings. So I think that Arias in the right type of league could still be very helpful for you at forty-eight percent. Um, yeah. Tends to go three innings a lot. And when it's following a short start, which I guess most often it would be, I don't know what his win-loss record is, but you'd think he'd be in line for a pretty good number of wins. He's four and That's two. something I've noticed about Ryan Yarbrough, by the way. I think he's right. already up to seven wins this year, despite spending time in the minors, and that was after getting 16 wins last year. Like That following an opener role um, seems to be... Because it's, it's almost like you're pitching through seven, you know? Yeah. It's, a lot of the time, so it seems to help you get wins. Four I, and two, Scott, three. It's not that impressive. I want I want Brandon McKay to pitch with an opener. Unless I'm playing in a quality starts league, I'd like it won't happen, I don't think. But if they're only going to throw him like 80 pitches or so, you know, give him an opener. Mm-hmm. Let him get second through sixth innings. Heath, you haven't spoken in a while. How, how, how do you feel about this? I really do not like the whole thing still, but I do think if if you're if you're not in a quality starts league, like if you're in a standard points league and you get points for quality starts and wins, I'm not sure that the difference between the two I really care that much. But in a league in a 
standard categories league where you get something for wins and not for quality starts, I'd much rather them have an opener. Yeah, of course. How are, how was your vacation, Heath? It was very good. Very good. We went to a couple theme parks. We went and spent some time at uh, some spring, some regular like natural springs. Oh. Went to a few breweries. It was awesome. I thought you were just watching baseball. <laughs> yeah. Well, baseball is only on at night. We did all these things during the day. Ah. Oh. So, what, what was the best game. What was the best roller coaster you rode? Um, the, I did not I would say it has to be the Mako because that is the fastest one. Uh, it's like 70, 75 miles per hour. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. Where was that? I never heard of that. SeaWorld. Oh. Best roller coasters in Orlando. Hmm. Uh, who never knew? Never been to SeaWorld. Uh. Yeah, I've only been once. Well, today's sponsor is SeatGeek. They don't have tickets to SeaWorld, but they do have tickets to sports, concerts, comedy, theater. I use SeatGeek basically every time I go to a game. Promo code is FANTASY for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. We got other podcasts that you need to know about. We got the State of Combat podcast. Big wrestling news these days. So there's wrestling, MMA, and boxing all within that State of Combat uh, podcast. Check it out. The Pick 6 podcast, your daily NFL fix. Fantasy football today. Heath and I will be joined by Ben Gretsch, who's one of our uh, writers and editors, to do projections all week. Uh, Heath and Ben are going to give you projections on each team. It's projection week on the Fantasy Football Today podcast. Uh, college basketball, college football. Go to cbssports.com slash podcast for more information. And we didn't have a show on CBS Sports HQ on Sunday, but we will going forward. We're going to have a Sunday 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. show on HQ. Download the CBS Sports app and watch HQ. Yesterday they were talking NBA free agency. Uh, Julius Randle, I'm sure, was the headliner. And, uh, yeah, it's a 24-7 streaming sports. Just the way you love your sports coverage. None of the politics or the fake debates. Download CB- uh, download the CBS Sports app and watch HQ on your Roku, your Apple TV, your Amazon Fire, whatever it is. And we'll be back uh, this upcoming Sunday. All right, more pictures to talk about. Um, I had one-start streamers. I don't really love them, but I keep mentioning Anibal Sanchez. I'll also mention Eric Lauer. Anybody want Eric Lauer against San Francisco or John Means at Tampa Bay? John Means has a 250 ERA, by the way. Um, John Means, the all-star. The all-star. We all assumed Trey Mancini would represent the Orioles. Oh, that seemed like an easy call, but no. It is John Means, who for some reason does have an ERA like 250, I believe it is. <laughs> yeah, I just um, said that. <laughs> not... But not in a way I think is X bits over five or something. Whatever. It's a very it's a very Julio Tarani array. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> well, I think the difference is they that he never pitches deep into games, so maybe that helps him. But all right, fine. I guess we're not that interested in John Means. Um, well, but, yeah, yeah. Whatever. I, if you're if you're going the one start sleeper route, you're going about it the right way, Adam. It's just it's not. It's not something I ever feel like I have to resort to. Like my pitching staff isn't in such, such a dire, dire position that I have to go with a pitcher I think is bad just because he happens to have a good matchup. But that's you know. I, I need I to apologize to John Means. That was not a fair characterization. His ERA, FIP, XFIP, and Sierra are all considerably better than Julio Toronto. <laughs> you haven't missed the beat, Heath. <laughs> Uh, big news, other than Dylan Cease, Cole Hamill's oblique injury, so he'll be out a little while. Kyle Hendricks could be back this week. Caleb Smith could be back this week. Is it time to drop Luis Severino? It looks like mid to late August would be the earliest that Severino could return after a setback. I mean, Probably. I don't know what your IL situation looked like. We're not that far from mid to late August. Uh, I'd, I'd rather hold on to him. I, I guess if you really have an IL crunch, you could think about it. 
I've just I, like, and I've been noticing, I've got so many leagues right now where I'm either just in the playoffs or just out of the playoffs. And I also have so many leagues where I don't have enough IL spots. And so in mm. those, I just don't think you can hold on to them. If you've got four or five, then sure. Wade Davis did get a save over the weekend. Scott Oberg was probably unavailable in that game, but it has been said now that Wade Davis's job is is on shaky ground. So Oberg is someone that you should pick up if you're mm-hmm. speculating. What happened yep. with Matt? At all my categories leagues, I made sure he was on this weekend. What happened with Matt Carpenter? He sat four straight games. So it was revealed on Sunday that he has a stomach issue, but it, I'm not clear on if that was the case for all four games or if they're just giving him a mental break. The Cardinals have been having Tim Edmond lead off and play third base. So do we have any more information about Matt Carpenter? I do not, and he's on like seven of my rosters, so I'd like to have some this afternoon, please. Okay. And Scooter Jeanette is back, and only like five games today, by the way. So some of this injury stuff, is actually, it's not good when there aren't that many games on Monday because a day-to-day guy, like the next guy we're going to talk about, you might have to make a decision on Monday. You aren't going to know his status until Tuesday. Uh, Scooter Jeanette's back, though, and Gary Sanchez hurt his thumb. That's the guy. So he's day-to-day. I'm not convinced that he doesn't miss some time here uh, based on what I was reading this morning. He could be back on Tuesday, Gary Sanchez. It, it is completely up in the air. We don't know. So um, you might want to make alternate plans at catcher. I would, I would be extra careful when setting your lineups this week because with for, for most teams, it's four free off days uh, after this upcoming weekend. I, I think it makes it much easier for them to put a day-to-day guy on the IL uh, knowing they got those free days built in. Right, exactly. Just for Sanchez, he's an all-star, so I don't know that they want to take him out of the all-star game, but you're right. It is uh, an easy time to put somebody on the IL. Okay, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we got to talk about some mega duds from over the weekend, like Tanaka and Porcello. Neither of them got out of the first inning in Saturday's game at London. Some more home runs from Justin Verlander and Mike Clevenger. Yikes. ERA up to 589. We'll be right back on Fantasy Baseball today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Let's get Heath's take on these duds. Heath, Mike Clevenger, Terry Francona said he looked extremely healthy with repetition with side days. With work in between, he'll be fine. Rick Porcello, six runs in a third of an inning. Masahiro Tanaka, six runs in two-thirds of an inning. Justin Verlander, four runs, two homers now. That's 23 home runs this year for Verlander. And Noah Syndergaard came off the I.L., and he didn't pitch very well against St. Louis, but the Mets were encouraged. He was encouraged. Mickey Calloway was encouraged. Um, what do you think about the duds? Clevenger, Porcello, Tanaka, Verlander, and Syndergaard. With Clevenger, I, I think slash hope it's mostly just he hasn't found it yet. He came back for one start, wasn't very good, got hurt again. Came back in this one, was absolutely awful. I still mostly expect he's going to be good at some time in the relatively near future, I would have a hard time starting him in his next start, but I wouldn't be I'll, considering I'll point out, selling or anything like that. 
I'll point out that Frank, both he and Francona attributed this start to rust and specifically he was rushing his delivery. So I think I think you're probably right there. The stuff looked good. Um, Rick Porcello is just terrible. And it doesn't matter if it's on this side of the pond or the other. Why do you have to I use don't... such strong language about these pitchers who are like, well, maybe average? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, something we haven't had really need to talk about is that Rick Porcello um, peripherally looks much worse than he did last year. Like last year, his XFIP was below four. You know, it, it was a pretty solid season by any measure. But the walk rate's been up this year, which is really his strength. Uh, fly ball rate's been up here, more vulnerable to home runs. Strikeout rate has been down. So his XFIP's like over five. And uh, now his ERA is too. Yeah, so, I, I think what Scott was saying was he's right. Uh, no, I think with Porcello, I mean, obviously everything, the, the XFIP and the regular stats are going to be heavily influenced by this crazy game in London where he gave up six runs in one third of an right. inning. But, I, but, but I'm saying the XFIP was over five before this. Game. Yeah, yeah. I just when I look at Porcello, I look at like every other Red Sox pitcher who got off to a terrible start and then he mostly turned his season around. In fact, before. Before Saturday, he had a 13-start stretch with a 361 ERA. Um, strikeouts were down, walks were fine. Uh, yeah, so all right, fine. I, look, I'm not. I don't really want to defend Rick Porcello. I've never been a huge Porcello guy. Uh, how how are we feeling about Heath? Let's get back to the list: Tanaka, Verlander, and Syndergaard. I don't real my, like these starts didn't really change my opinion on these guys much at all. I, there was a lot of stuff that in, in Verlander's peripherals it looked like maybe his ERA was a little lower than it should have been, but he's one of the top three or four starting pitchers in baseball. I expect him to be that the rest of the year. Syndergaard's still kind of a borderline ace for me that I think should have a good stretch coming at some point, but it's getting harder and harder to believe that. And Tanaka is just going to make me look like a fool no matter what I say about him. <laughs> Are, are we at least willing to throw out the London stats? Like, it just, it was like Coors Field. Um, I mean, I would say that both Porcello and Tanaka were in need of some correction there with their ERA. Now, how much of it was just a wacky environment? Probably, probably a fair amount. I mean, the pitchers didn't, nobody, the bullpen pitched well, nobody pitched well the next day either. But uh, whether it was going to happen in London or somewhere else, it was going to happen. The, f the funny thing is I feel like these five pitchers might all be in completely different tiers. Okay, so rank them. Well, it's clearly Verlander number one, mm -hmm. clearly Verlander, or clearly Syndergaard number two, clearly Porcello number five. <laughs> I don't I, – I think it's clearly Clevenger number three, but for the next week he might be five. And then clearly Tanaka number four. I think you're right. Heath is right. You know what they say. The Heath is on. Let's look at the most added list, ladies and gentlemen. Brendan McKay. Did we talk about Brendan McKay? I don't think we did. We just sort of... On, on Friday? No, yeah, we talked about today. Him. Today, I mean. No, today. No, no. We talked about how you need to pick him up if you hadn't already because it was a good start. And yes, it was... It was a very good start. He he answered one of my big questions that we talked about Friday, which was would he be allowed to pitch more than five innings? Well, he pitches six in his major league debut. He had been limited to five innings at AAA, like by design, not just by happenstance. And while he struck out only three, he did so with a 13.5% swinging strike rate, which is good. Very efficient, 81 pitches. I mean, he's a guy who throughout his minor league career had a great 
strikeout to walk ratio. He has been assured at least one more start, and there's certainly room to keep him around after that if the Rays decide he is worthy. Uh, one interesting note I saw yesterday from, I think it was Kevin Cash, their manager, was that they plan to keep him on the same pitching and hitting schedule in the majors as in the minors. Now, I was thinking he wouldn't hit it all in the majors, but basically how it worked in the minors is he wouldn't, he wouldn't play DH before or after the day he started, um, and we didn't see him play yesterday at DH, obviously. Uh, and he also started every sixth day, um, which I guess would mean they work in spot start. Like I, I don't know. Exa- I don't know how literally Kevin Cash meant that. I guess is what I'm saying because, like, is he really going to play DH that often? I, I doubt it. The Rays have a lot of good hitters there, but sounds like he's at least going to play some for as long as he's around. And um, you know, obviously, from a fantasy perspective, I don't know how much that changes, but it's. It's an interesting point to bring up. Well, I will I just want to add that, yes, Brandon McKay pitched six innings. He also had a perfect game through five, and he only threw 81 pitches. So I don't know that he's going to throw much more than five innings, typically. I, I feel like this is Chris Paddock all over again, who I wasn't— Who, who you wouldn't know, want Chris Paddock? Well, who wouldn't want Chris Paddock? But I think also Heath, like you—we all, think I think, identify Chris Paddock as a very good sell-high candidate— like a month and a half ago, or it was after one of his great starts. And I definitely, I think McKay is a must-own pitcher. I also don't yeah. think he's going to be great, because I just don't think they're going to allow okay. him to go deep enough to be great. I, I think he's... That's oh, yeah. I, I don't yeah. think If you wrong. could sell Brendan McKay today, I would do it. Yeah. For most anything that I felt confident was going to help me over the rest of the season was an improvement on my team. Right. Yeah. Uh, like I said at the when we were talking about C's earlier, um, listing I was kind of ranking the young recent call ups. Like I, I put Luzardo at the top of that list ahead of McKay, so I, that should give you an idea where I'm ranking McKay. I mean, I would trade McKay for Paddock, who might be hard to do after the start McPaddock had yesterday. I would obviously trade him for Luzardo. I'm saying so. Yeah, I I, I hear you guys. I hear you guys. Okay, so uh, Logan Allen is number two on the most added list. Heath, who would you rather have, Brandon McKay or Logan Allen? I'm still, <laughs> you know, I just said that. I'm still going to say McKay. I don't completely under, like, understand what Logan Allen's doing so far. He's getting, and has just, just, just been two starts, but he's got a lot yeah. more ground balls than he did in the minor leagues. He's going to need to do that because he's not really been a huge bat misser. It's been better than I expected so far this year, but uh, I'm very skeptical of the early success that he has had. I think a big part of it is he's a two-star pitcher and probably was the one, uh, at least before the weekend, highly available two-star pitcher who you know you could justify as a sleeper. So that that's a big part of it. More on the most added list. Daniel Megden is on the most added list. I'm guessing he's a two-star pitcher. Uh, I don't think we're too excited there. Carlos Martinez. No. So he pitched two innings. In my bullpen notes. Uh, Carlos Martinez. Two and two thirds. Two and two thirds. I don't have him in, in my an extra notes. inning game. He came in in the eighth, and then pitched the tenth. Um, got the win. Yeah, he's the closer. I mean, they've they've all said he's the closer. He hasn't gotten a chance to get a save yet, but but he's the closer. So and I think he's going to be like a, probably- a Rysel Iglesias type, maybe. Except hopefully good. 
Well, Iglesias has been good for most of his career. He's not been this year, but yes. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Newman. <laughs> Kevin Newman, Pirate shortstop. He's been very good. He's been, uh, well, okay, he's five home runs on the year, but he homered three times this past week. Newman's batting 327 with five homers and five steals. Bats lead off for the Pirates, and he's fifth on the most added list. Who's interested? And then Lourdes Goriel, right behind him. Two homer game over the weekend. It's pretty crazy right now what Guriel's doing. Yeah, I'm with and Newman. I'm where I am with JP Crawford too. Where there are some um, some aspects of what they do that lend themselves to a high batting average, and maybe they could sustain a pretty high batting average. It's just like it. it I'm not sure it could possibly get high enough to compete with the other middle infield options out there, unless you're talking about a deeper league. Yeah, I think Newman deserved, like when he was 24% owned, he deserved to be added, and now everyone needs to stop. Okay. Uh, how do we feel about Keston Hira and Chris Taylor? Keston Hira. I mean, I'm, I'm with Heath that Kevin Biggio's pretty exciting. I, I think I'd rather have Keston Hira, though. Uh, I, I just I just think I think it's 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 more likely he's just an all-around stud than Biggio is. Not that Biggio couldn't be. I, I just I, I like the tools for Hira a little more than Biggio. Uh, and who was the other guy you asked about? Uh, Chris Taylor, who I'm guessing has just Stay. one week left. As an everyday yeah. player. Yeah. I mean, if if you're worried about Alex Verdugo's playing time, <laughs> which, by the way, it doesn't... Like, the guy who's been getting a lot of time for the Dodgers lately is Matt Beattie. So, I, I, I think Alex Verdugo's role is pretty safe. Getting back to the top of the show. Well, well where is he going to play? Left field. And then Peterson Pollock will play first center, base, you're saying? Bellinger and right. Muncie mostly at second. Peterson okay. mostly at first. All right. All right. Uh, all right. And then there's two players on the most added list. Do either of them have a chance to start twice? I mean, I think Ryan Yarbrough has a chance to pitch twice, not start twice. But what about Alzali? Are they going to go six-man this week, or is Alzali going to be a two-star pitcher? He is starting today. Uh, I haven't heard I, if they're going six-man this week or not. Um, hmm, I didn't. Let me see here. Six man. I I would guess they're going six man just because they did the last time through. All right. So I would not count on Al's alive for two start. Heath, I'm going to throw a name at you, and you're going to tell me how you feel about this name. Eric Sogard, 25% owned. Yeah, I think the 25% owned is plenty high. He has been playing a lot lately, and he's been hitting relatively well. I don't buy it, and I. Definitely wouldn't be adding him in any leagues deeper than that, or shallower than that, more shallow than that. More shallow than that. How about Matt Strom, who is a two-star pitcher, and he's only 53% owned, San Francisco and at the Dodgers? Heath? Is San Francisco in San Francisco? Yes. Then I've got some interest. He's not been very good lately, but I... I still think that there is a little bit of upside there, and the first matchup is exceptional. You just need one of those starts to be good in a points league. There you go. Okay, let's uh, go through the rest of the news and notes. Marcelo Zuna's on the IL with a finger injury. I, waiting for uh, Jose Martinez to start hitting, but at least he's playing. 
Eddie Rosario's on the IL with an ankle sprain. Brad Peacock's on the IL with a shoulder issue, but should be back after the All-Star break. Tim Anderson's expected to miss four to six weeks. Chris Archer left his weekend start with hip discomfort, and he will be reevaluated today. Trevor Story could be back on Tuesday. Hunter Pence could be back on Tuesday, maybe more like Wednesday for Pence. Chris Davis has not started three straight games after being hit by a pitch on the hand, so I, that not sure what to do about Chris Davis. Uh, Luke would Ford. not start him. Yeah, except you know, deep league where the alternatives are really bad. Luke Voigt, another one. He's got a core muscle injury. Another guy who could end up on the IL for a short stint uh, in Luke Voigt. It's, t- it's a tough week. It's going to be tough lineup decisions this week. Domingo Armand is going to start on Wednesday for the Yankees. Marcus Stroman left with a cramp in his shoulder. Heath says he'll be back. Marcus Stroman he probably thinks he's the best pitcher in baseball. Every quote is just very, very positive. <laughs> uh, he's got some confidence, which is good, which uh, is good. You sounded like Dennis Eckersley right now. No, I like Dennis Eckersley. Eckersley was out of line, but Strowman is always <laughs> Strowman is always uh, kind of like he has an attitude as if he is Madison Bumgarner, who has like that attitude on the mound. And you're just you're yeah. not you're not Strowman. Um, Stephen Piscotty's on the IL with a knee injury. D. Gordon has a strained quad. Ozzy Albies should be fine starting Albies. Gordon, I'm not so sure about. David Robertson hopes to return by the end of July. JT Realmuto left with a hamstring injury. He called it precautionary. Yuli Gurriel, he should be fine if you want to start him. Same with Max Kepler. Pablo Lopez will begin a throwing program today. Christian Yelich is going to participate in the home run derby. Uh-oh. Hmm. How about the <laughs> Come on. Baltimore Orioles? The Baltimore Orioles became the first team to shut out an opponent and score 13 or more runs in consecutive games. This team, the that's Baltimore a, Orioles. That's a trivia question nobody's ever going to get. <laughs> Worst team in baseball. If that remains true. Yeah. Um, and uh, contributing to that on the negative end was uh, Dan Plesak. Plesak, sorry. Dan Plesak. Zach, Zach Plesak. Plesak. Zach Plesak. No relation to um, Dan Plesak. Yeah. He, he and Jordan Yamamoto were my big... Uh, well, I guess guess beyond the London series, they were my big coming down to earth pitchers this weekend because I don't see a lot peripherally that uh, was backing up what Police Act's doing, and uh, I would be fine dropping him for any of these young pitchers, Dylan Cease included, who we were mentioning at the top of the show. And final note: Freddie Freeman had 33 RBIs in June. That's amazing, most by a Braves Go- player since they moved to Atlanta. Going back to the very first news news item. Kind of, I think is another deep league hitter ad. Tyler O'Neill was called back up, and the note that I saw suggested that he's just going to slot into the starting lineup. He's 12% owned and has been mm. raking again at AAA. All right, so if I look at some other hitters here, we've talked about a lot of these guys that are on this list, but Carson Kelly, since becoming... There he is. <laughs> hey, come on, man. He's, he's my Malik <laughs> Smith. He's 31% owned. And since becoming the regular catcher on July 11th, basically playing like four out of five games, his slug his, is that your birthday? No, June 19th. Sorry, Scott. Um, <laughs> you mean June 11th? And you meant June 11th? Oh, right? June 11th. July 11th. Yeah, yeah, June 11th. Yeah. Okay. So what? His OPS is what 996. Um, I don't know how you don't own Carson Kelly. He's 31 percent owned. Less excited about Chance Cisco, but he has started three straight games and had a good weekend. 
Yeah, I don't know. Like that that was right when I he started taking over right when I got excited about Pedro Severino too. Yeah. Feel like you look his numbers are pretty impressive for a catcher. As far as Kelly goes, I just need to mention one thing. Alex Avila has been on the IL. Now he's back and Avila did get a start over the weekend, so we'll see what the playing time is, but I think Kelly's earned it. And then oh Heath, how about Manny Machado? Boy, has he been good? Ten I home got a runs. Lot of tweets about Manny Machado yeah, over yeah. the week of baseball that I watched lots of baseball of. Not surprised. Uh, yeah, he's he's on a nice little streak here. I'd say thirteen eighty six OPS in his last fifteen games. He is now the number seven shortstop in points, number eight in Roto, and half of his home runs have come in the last fifteen games. He has twenty on I, the year. I would just like to tell people you can tweet me at Heath Cummings SR with players on your team that are terrible. If you would like for me to talk <laughs> about possibly dropping them on the podcast. <laughs> Okay, we'll move out to the bullpen oh, here. Oh, man, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize he went that far with Machado. Yeah, he said, uh, yeah. yeah, the word he, he was, he was like a, the number 20 shortstop in fantasy baseball a week and a half ago. I hope you learned a lesson, Heath. I don't know what it is. With terrible <laughs> batted ball profile. Well, that's a, that's what I'm saying. Batted ball pri- profile is not necessarily predictive. His XBA and X slug were terrible. Who Scott. cares? About X. I, I hear you, but he's. Yeah. I mean, I. I don't want to. I don't want to. It, it. It. It would be unbecoming of me to uh, prosecute this in retrospect. But I. I no. I, I, I I'm fine with that. Him. Like that's just when you have a hitter that had been average on the road his entire career, went to the Padres I, and looked average. I thought maybe he was average. We only had I like could, eight years. I could understand the argument. I I just I had too much faith in the profile. I guess Manny Machado, who was hyped as the next Alex Rodriguez, basically backed it up. Is still twenty six. Like I I I trusted him to figure it out. But again, that you know that's easier to say now. Obviously, I did too. So Heath is wrong. The Heath is, is wrong. <laughs> Uh, like he's still probably not going to be what like a top five shortstop or third baseman the rest of the year, just to be clear. Yeah, probably uh, not because there's so much there. Yeah, I mean I he's probably we're probably talking about a third or fourth round pick next year as opposed to first or second. Okay, Bregman. Here are the top five shortstops so far: Bregman, Bogarts, Marte, Eduardo Escobar, and Trevor Story. So I think Catal Marte versus Manny Machado is pretty interesting. Just as it a, is forget second base, just as a shortstop, who would you rather have? I yeah. take Machado. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would take Machado too, but you, you can't really forget that Cattell Marte is also eligible at second base and the outfield, which are both weaker positions. Yeah, I guess I can't forget. Yeah, I'll take yeah. Marte. You're right. Part of the it's part of the equation. He's going Marte. Okay. Yeah, like Manny Machado has had an otherworldly two-and-a-half-week stretch, and he's still 10% worse than Cattell Marte this year. He's also had an otherworldly career. You were framing it as if they're both only shortstop eligible. Who's going to put up better numbers rest of the season? Let's just say that. Marte or Machado? I'll take Marte. I, I, would, I, would, I, would, I would guess Machado. Yeah, I'll take Machado. Heat's wrong again. Okay, uh, let's talk about uh, the bullpen. Ken Giles was unavailable, and Daniel Hudson got a save for the Blue Jays. I only bring that up in case Ken Giles gets traded. I don't know. Maybe you go to Daniel Hudson. I don't know. Uh, Michael Lorenzen was bad. He was good on Friday. I think terrible on Sunday. 
you just, just keep an eye. Because Rysel Iglesias gave up three runs on Sunday. We we keep an eye on that situation. But it could be Amir Garrett, too. He's actually been very good for the Reds. Um, Rowenis Elias pitched. He's their closer. This is a boring segment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's much more fun to talk about the things I'm wrong about. Boring segment. (laughs) All right, let's take Uh, a break. So, uh, Oberg and Lorenzen, I think, are both, if you're desperate for saves, I think they're both worth adding. I understand things went poorly for Lorenzen yesterday, but they've been going poorly for Iglesias for a long time. So that's that's probably how I'd sum up the closer news from the weekend. From the weekend, yes. I would add Kyle Crick is always a good guy to stash in case Vasquez gets traded, although they're not out of it. And... Uh, don't know who it is in San Francisco, but maybe Dyson. All right, now we're going to take a break. And then when we come back, Blake Snell, 12 strikeouts in a big start against Texas. He's got the Yankees this week. Oh, before we take a break, would you start Brendan McKay home against the Yankees this week? I'd rather not. Mm, Yeah, it's not a must. It's not like an automatic start. I wouldn't be afraid to start him, I guess is how I'd put it. But, you know, hopefully I have better options. Can I tell you something crazy? Are you sitting down? You're sitting yes. Down. Good. The Yankees are 24th in OPS against lefties. How? They, for most of the season, have not had some of their best hitters against lefties, though, right? But they have almost no lefties in their lineup. Like, they're, they're almost entirely right-handed, even when they were hurt. It's the weirdest thing. They have had very few. They've had the fifth fewest at bats against lefties. But I nah, can't figure so that out. Fluky sample size thing. Maybe, but it's still crazy to me. But yeah, like Aaron Judge being back is certainly going to help them against lefties. Yeah. Didi Gregorius, on the other hand, I think he has one hit against the lefty this year. So uh, now we're going to take a break. When we come back, Blake Snell, Lucas Giolito, the rest of the studs, some more pitchers to pick up. We'll be right back on Fantasy Baseball today. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So Blake Snell rebounded, that's for sure. Six innings, two runs, gave up a monster home run to Joey Gallo, but he struck out 12, 20 swinging strikes. It's just amazing, though, that they won't let him pitch deep, deep into games. He threw 80 pitches. Why did they take him out? They're so concerned, <laughs> it seems. It's amazing. Um, meanwhile, Shane Bieber, eight scoreless innings with 11 strikeouts at Baltimore. He has 133 strikeouts in 104 and a third, and four straight starts for Bieber without allowing a home run. I was very pleased to see Giolito come through with a good start, even though a rain delay shortened it to only five innings, scoreless against the Twins. And Madison Bumgarner's been great, but his road numbers, he's a 460 road ERA. And keep in mind, Bumgarner, good chance to get Mm. traded. 
So, uh, Heath, I'll give you the first word on the studs being studs. Blake Snell, Bieber, Giolito, and Bumgarner. Very good start from Blake Snell. No no immediate concerns right now. Hopefully we don't have to worry about that again. Um, Bieber and Giolito are, I think, both now probably belong in the ace tier. Uh, Bumgarner is a fine number two or number three starter. I do get worried about where he gets traded to because he's not been great on the road. I don't think he, he's just simply not as good pit, good a pitcher as he was three or four years ago. And if he goes to a smallish park, that could be a problem. I I do wonder with Bumgarner because because he he had a couple he had a bad start a couple turns ago and said you know his last two starts have been among his best this year and he says he's you know made a folk made more of a focus of working both sides of the plate um, but beyond that like the stuff legitimately seems better this, this is something I just noticed yesterday his average fastball velocity is the highest it's been in four years and yeah. four years I think is a is a noteworthy number because you know if it was three years that includes all the years since the motorbike accident where he hurt his shoulder but four years includes the year before that too when nobody had any reason to think Bumgarner was less than a top five pitcher in fantasy so I I I don't know I don't the last two starts I think are very encouraging and um, I'm excited about the prospect of him getting traded because obviously there's going to be He's going to be in a better situation to win games. Yeah, he's five and seven, but you're excited because I'm nervous. <laughs> he he almost certainly I, is going to be in a worse park. And yeah, you're right. It wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, it mean, wouldn't have mattered. You know, four years ago. So if that's kind of what you're saying, I get it. Let, but I yes, let and I mean, let's see what happens. You know, I'm I'm putting a lot on the past, last two starts that which were very yeah. impressive, and right. uh, and just wondering if he's. There's still a really good pitcher in there that uh, we haven't even necessarily seen this year. Um, just noting that the velocity's up. I, I think it's an interesting uh, discovery. That's Madison Bumgarner. Now let's go to studs being studs part two. Ooh, Chris Paddock. Chris Paddock was so dominant. Watched the start. Loved it. Six innings, one run. Gave up a leadoff home run. Then six scoreless after that with eight strikeouts. Uh, and his last seven starts, though, a 475 ERA. It's kind of what I'm talking about with Brendan McKay, why you know these guys are going to go through their, take their lumps and not pitch super deep into games. But it's good to see Paddock back. Lance Lynn, eight scoreless innings with 10 strikeouts. Oh, my goodness, Lance Lynn. <laughs> Brandon Woodruff's just been great, and the swinging strikes are back for Brandon Woodruff, 16 of them in this most recent start against Pittsburgh. John Gray uh, has been very good. He's really coming around, and now he has a 3.84 ERA and more than a strikeout per inning, and he's been better at home than on the road. Jose Quintana, nice bounce-back start for him. And Mike Soroka, four swinging strikes, <laughs> but he's 9-1 with a 2.13 ERA. Yeah, I, are we going to put the sell-high tag on Mike Soroka, Heath? What do you think? Yeah, I think there are a few sell-highs in that group, but I— Soroka's been very good, and it's possible to be a good starting pitcher without as many swinging strikes or as many strikeouts as some of the elite guys. But Especially, it's not possible to be one of the elite guys, and his his strikeout total is just way, way, way too low. I would take yeah. just about any one of my top 35 starting pitchers for him right now, and the same goes for Chris Paddock. He's like 14 innings away now from his career high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's at the Dodgers this week, and that didn't go well the last time he was at the Dodgers. Um, it's 
Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, especially you, you can be good without the strikeouts when you have the kind of ground ball rate Mike Soroka does. But I agree that he's not top, top 35 for me. Um, I'm not so interested in selling high on Lance Lynn, who I feel like is one of the bigger all-star snubs. I understand his ERA is four, but I mean, how <laughs> there are a lot of good pitchers with an ERA around four this year. Well, Jose Maria uh, <laughs> would be a big like, snub. I, I'm not like, I guess if you could get like Noah Syndergaard for Lynn, okay, you know, a combined buy low, sell high situation there, maybe you could pull that off. But like when you have a pitcher who's consistently going seven plus with eight plus strikeouts, he's been doing it for two months now, right? Mm-hmm. Longer. Uh, I mean, I don't totally get where he came from or how he's doing it, but you're not like that. That is a huge need for everybody. And you're probably not using Lynn in a way that fills that need. Like nobody's giving up a pitcher, another pitcher who can do that in exchange for Lynn. You know what I'm saying? So like maybe you could sell high for a hitter, but is that really going to help your bottom line more than what Lynn's doing for you right now? It it may, it may not last for Lynn, but like, I'm just content to enjoy it while it lasts. You could make a, a very good argument that if you were to just hide the names and show me and Scott what they had done so far this year, we would all tell you we'd much rather have Lance Lynn than Mike Soroka and probably maybe possibly even Chris Paddock. Uh, yeah, but would you? <laughs> I'd rather have Paddock. I, I would. I would re- with the names there. I'll I'll take him over both of them. Yeah. I I've got to do my rankings update today and Lynn is going like he's going to be right in that same range as Soroka and Paddock. He may just be ahead of them. Wow. I just, there's just too much bad in his history. You know, I, and he's one, he's one pitch pitcher. Well, I mean, there is bad in, in his recent history, but you look at before Tommy John surgery. So pre 2016, I mean, he was fine. Consistently top, 30, 40 pitcher in fantasy. Yeah, he pitched a lot um, of innings this, for sure. That was good. This is even better than that, but uh, but still, I'm. It, it's just like who 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 else is doing this? Who like the ERA is inflated mostly because of April, but yeah. like it's who else is doing what he's been doing since then? All right, that's Lance Lynn. Let's move on. Uh, I'm going to give you the studs being something in between studs and duds. They're called studs because they're owned in 80% of leagues or more, not because they're actually studs. I want you to tell me who you would drop for Dylan Cease or really like who you would drop for that theoretical uh, high upside pitcher. Miles Michaelis, John Lester, Yanni Chirinos, Zach Davies, Eduardo Rodriguez, Joey Lucchese, Zach Eflin, and Max Fried. A lot of names there. Michaelis, Lester, Chirinos, Davies. Rodriguez. Well, I can split it into groups of four, I guess. Uh, let's split it into groups of four. I'll just go by the four that are on the graphic right now. Eduardo Rodriguez, Joey Lucchese, Zach Eflin, Max Fried. Would you drop any of them for Dylan Cease? I would drop Lucchese. Um, Eflin's a tough call. I don't really believe in Eflin. But you're giving up a lot of, you're giving up a lot of. Uh, I feel like what's been stability for you to this point. All right, Lucchese, you drop. Lucchese is the yeah. e- the easiest one there. I I struggle a little bit with all of these guys, but Lucchese is the only one I drop for sure. 
All right. I thought you were going to drop Eduardo Rodriguez, but fair enough. Um, and then the other four, Michaelis, Lester, Chirinos, and Zach Davies. Michaelis, John Davies Lester. Davies easy. Chirinos, yeah, Davies. Yeah, 80%. Davies, Davies is out. the drop, and I w- uh, Lester, right? Probably right. Lester. Yeah, I'd do Lester. Okay. I think that you can make a case that Miles Michaelis has turned his season around fairly decently. And he's at San Francisco this week. I'm not convinced in that case, but you can make enough of that case that I wouldn't want to drop him. All right, fringies. Part one. These guys are 65 to 79% owned. Who do you want? Mike Fires. Zach, Dan, Playzak, Plezak. Uh, <laughs> Merrill Kelly. The atrocious Andrew Heaney. Yikes. Jordan Yamamoto. <laughs> Dakota Hudson, even also atrocious. I keep getting Dakota Hudson and Merrill Kelly confused, by the way. And Sonny Gray and Steven Matz. So, again, a lot of names there. Heath, who do you want from these fringy starting pitchers who are 65 to 79% owned? Uh, Sonny Gray would be my favorite. Yeah, yeah, Sonny Gray would be my favorite. Uh, Heaney, I still have some hope for. I'd put Plezak yeah, just ahead of Yamamoto next. All right, it is so Heaney's been getting burned by the long ball in a severe way. And look, it's it's an outlier fly ball rate, and he's been giving up hard contact. It makes sense why he's giving up so many home runs. But nobody should give up this many home runs. It's been crazy. Um, meanwhile, he just delivered his third 20-swinging strike start on Sunday. It wasn't a very good start because he gave up a three-run homer to Matt Chapman. But uh, the whip was low. I, I feel like I feel like there's a chance he takes off. I don't feel like you can really use him right now. Yeah, but I'd no. like to have him on my at Houston this the, week for Heaney. So no the one thanks. thing I will say about Heaney and the and the home runs because it, it it is a lot more fly balls. But his career home run to fly ball rate in 379 innings is 15.3 percent. This year he's at 18.4 percent which indicates maybe it's an extra home run or two, but he's just always had a problem with the long ball. All right, let's move on. Next group, 50 to 64% own. Anibal Sanchez, John Means, Chris Bassett, and Jordan Lyles. Anibal Sanchez, John Means, Chris Bassett, and Jordan Lyles. Heath, are we seeing anyone really exciting here? Anibal Sanchez is very exciting. I've been using him ever since that uh, you and I decided that he was a good ad a month ago. (laughs) I'm going to take credit for Anibal Sanchez. All right, let's go to part three then. Uh, fringy starting pitchers, 30 to 49% own. Michael Pineda, last nine games, 393 ERA. He's 3 and 1, which surprised me. I thought it'd be better than that. But a .98 whip. He could be very good for your whip, Michael Pineda. Uh, Julio Arias, Brett Anderson, Adrian Sampson, Eric Lauer, Danny Duffy, Michael Waka. Pineda, Arias, Brett Anderson, Adrian Sampson, Lauer, Duffy, Waka. Scott, anyone inspiring there? I wouldn't say inspiring. Uh, I mean, Arias is probably the one I want to own the most, and he's pitching three innings at a time. So that kind of tells you how the rest of this group looks. I guess Pineda among the true starters. That's about it. Okay. Danny Duffy. Danny Duffy, three starts against Boston or Texas. He has allowed 14 earned runs in 12 and two-thirds. In his other starts, he has a 3.55 ERA. So... He might he might be all right, Danny Duffy, against lesser competition against Cleveland this week. Not really sure what to make of them. They've been on a quite a hot streak. Uh, 
Um, but yeah, not, not a great lineup. He seems like a potential two-star streamer type. Right. I haven't had occasion to call him a two-star sleeper at any point this year, but he's he's he certainly looks like a competent pitcher. Okay, let's play a game called Yes or No. I just made this game up, so bear with me on the rules. I'm going to say a pitcher's name that's owned in less than 30% of leagues, and you're going to tell me yes or no if you're interested in adding him. I think and this works. is like 14 teams or deeper. Sure, yeah. Tommy Malone, yes okay, or so no? Deeperly. Yes. No. Tommy, I, I said no. yes. I said yes to answer Scott's question, not yes to Tommy Malone. All right, we're still in no okay. on Malone. Uh, Sean Anderson. No. No. Anthony DiSclefani. Yes. Yeah, deep league, yeah. Eliezer Hernandez. Yes. Yes. Felix Pena. No. Austin. Yeah, no. V- no. Oh, I forgot how to pronounce it. Austin Voth, I think. No, Voth. No. No. Doesn't matter how you pronounce it because we're never going to say it again. Andrew wow. Kashner. So he's going to be good this week. Uh, no. <laughs> Jesse Chavez. Uh, oh, Scott, sorry. Kashner, go. No, 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 no. Five no's. Uh, Jesse Chavez. No. No. Jordan Zimmerman. Nope. No. Drew Pomerantz. Nope. Yeah. Oh. Pomerantz. Wow. He's had, he had a really good month of June. 333 RA, well more than strikeout per inning. And... Uh, it coincided with an arm slot change. He he raised his arm slot to change the shape of his fastball, and uh, obviously it's gotten better results. So this is like deeply. a back Thursday on a Monday. I would yeah. almost guarantee that if we went, if we had like an archive of all the podcasts, we could find a clip of Scott saying something about Drew Pomerantz's arm slot in the past and <laughs> believing in him possibly being good because of it. All right, wait, this yeah. clip I want to play because that last segment reminded me of this clip and we'll end the show. Did anyone see the movie Tron? No. 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 Yes. I, um, I mean, no. No. Okay, thank you. Thank you for letting me get my Simpsons on. And we're out of here. <laughs> for Scott and Heath, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Baseball Today.